You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Washtenaw Citizen, Jake Martin. Ready to run through a wall. Yes, that is because... You see a little hard knocks, and next thing you know, you're motivated. I'm motivated. No, I am so excited uh, because hard knocks was tremendous last night, and it has been a few years since I've been able to say that. Legitimately. You know, you had the Bucks last year. I didn't enjoy the season. A big reason for that is because I don't like Jameis Winston, and he was kind of the focus of it, plus... Other than that, it was pretty boring. Two seasons ago, you had the Rams. They were boring. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher is the epitome of boring. <laughs> uh, it was just, it, you know, the last two seasons, is something I always look forward to, and you're just like let down. I feel like we're constantly chasing that Rex Ryan New York Jets season because that was the best season mm. they've had. But last night was great for a lot of reasons. One, you had the whole Baker dynamic with the RV and everything. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. It was, I think, it, as a secondary uh, storyline, it was kind of fun. All right, for us that did not see it, what was the most telling thing about it? I'm getting to it. All right, I thought you were going to get about Baker. Oh, about Baker. Yeah. Not there's nothing really new, and I honestly there was more. There were more. Um, I guess. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They allowed more people to get into the RV than I thought. Like, you know how it was a big deal? We talked about it earlier this week, how no cameras were allowed. You had a lot of RV stuff. So Mm. I was like, okay, well, this is a little bit more than I was anticipating. So nothing really big there. The big stuff came with Hugh Jackson and Jarvis Landry. They stole the show. And I'll start with Hugh Jackson. If you watch this episode, this details how he goes through uh, the passing of his mother which was two weeks after he lost his brother. So you're talking about <laughs> some hard times for the head coach, and he's in the middle of training camp. Doesn't have a whole lot of time to sit there and, and you know, I guess uh, mourn, grieve, yeah, grieve about it. And, and so what was great about it is you kind of saw the team and you saw other members of the front office kind of put their arm on him and say, hey, man, just let it out. It's okay. And he had a couple of times where he broke down in his office. You know, he's he's preparing for camp, and he breaks down in his office because guys are coming and, and hugging him, saying, hey, man, it's okay. And it, it just made you want to root for the guy. Mm. Like, it really made – I was just watching it going, you know what, man, I, I hope that guy succeeds. He went through an 0-16 year last year. Uh, he, he The pressure's on him. I hope he can figure it out. That said, there was also another – interesting dynamic because it showed him in the team room or in the uh coaches the coaches were having a meeting and todd haley was saying i do not agree with having all these guys rest in training camp and the big thing a big storyline in the show was we got to get the browns tougher we got to get these guys tougher how do we do that and todd haley's like they're not going to get tougher sitting on the sideline then you bring you go to jarvis landry and his speech which was Fantastic. That's why I said I wanted to run through a wall. He gets in front of the receivers, and I can't repeat a whole lot of what he said, but he basically said, you're not going to get better on the sidelines. That is weak unless your hamstring is ripped off of your leg or your leg is broke. You need to be practicing. I'm hurt. I'm tired too, but I'm out there practicing because I want to be great. He's saying, you being weak, that's contagious. We can't have that anymore. Anyway, I that was a, the, the cleanest version I could give you. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's not safe for work, <laughs> but, but it is so good. Like it is so so much fire, so much New Orleans in in his voice. Like you could just tell he's he's from uh, South Louisiana. But uh, Richie says Jake isn't down with eating W's. No, I'm not. I am not down with eating W's. So now you're all in with the Browns. Well, no, at I'm least all you in. can watch. The other thing is with this show, and it feels like. You know, I, I don't get an opportunity to watch every episode, you know, when they start doing their replays and I can afford to kind of watch them. But uh, you don't feel it's contrived, a lot of it, and, of course, staged some of it. Or they're no. playing up for the cameras. Um, 
I mean, some guys do, but overall, it's not because the last two seasons there was like nothing to talk about. You know, there was no playing up to the care of the last two seasons. But uh, no, I, and I'm not saying I'm on board with the Browns. I'm on board with watching this hard knocks. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I want to see. I also want to see more of Greg Williams. Like they showed ver- very little of him, but his personality, man, yeah. that's gonna be. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, they showed a little clip at the end where he was cussing people out, and it was just funny. Hmm. And uh, anyway, if you haven't seen it, if you have a way to watch it, go watch it. It's very, very interesting. It's a good season. Hugh Jackson has to have the worst NFL coaching record of anybody in the history of the league, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, eight and eight with the Raiders in 2011. Then, of course, the, the one in 31 with Cleveland. Nine and 39 overall. It's unbelievable. So the pressure's on for him, and I'm telling you, after you watch this episode, you'll be rooting for him. You'll be like, you know what, I'm not a Browns fan, but I hope you can find a way to you know, get, get close to sniffing 500. That would be great. We did not discuss this in our extensive pre-show meeting. So I've always wanted to do a Hard Knocks high school style in northeast Louisiana. Literally the manpower, there's no possible way that it could be done. Or before like a big matchup. What would be the best program or the best game to lead into a Friday night? Or just, a, a you know, two weeks in August just following around one high school team. Oh, man. What would be the best? Who would have the best personalities yeah. to follow? Yeah. Waspin jumps out to me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be entertaining because yeah. of Dean Smith. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. That's yeah. a good question. I'd have to really think about yeah. it. Uh, and, and you said game. I, immediately, I thought of West Monroe Neville. Yeah. I, I just just because of the the tradition of both schools, how much both fan bases really care about that yeah. game. You can say the same about Neville Rustin too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That, that's you a good just question. Just get that that access and just to, to see how you know strategies are being played out leading into a big ball game. Mm-hmm. Be pretty cool. Obviously, you couldn't do it, but I mean, coaches wouldn't allow it. And of course, you're dealing with high school kids. But I think it'd be cool just behind the scenes. And I know West Monroe. The two-a-days that was on MTV that aired way back when. Well, they, West Monroe was Varsity Inc. Okay. on ESPN. Two-a-days was Hoover. Okay. See, I get them all confused. That was a good show. Okay. Or at least it was when I was young. Yeah. I thought it was good. I could probably rewatch it today. <laughs> like two-a-days like, or whatever the West Monroe had? Uh, two-a-days. I didn't watch Varsity Inc. Uh, uh, for some reason, I, I missed that one. But uh, Ben said, what was the show that followed West Monroe around 10 years ago? They tried to stay away as much as possible from, of course, you know, the soap opera and the daily storylines with teenagers. It's supposed to be more about football and the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. They still got into a lot of it, though. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm getting old. That was 10 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember going out to practice, and there'd be all these crews around, and they'd be filming all this stuff, and then literally, you know how it's all edited up and sliced and diced. Sure. And, like, right. and they got Soldier Boy to come out to a pep rally? Yeah. You have no idea Soldier Soulja Boy is, dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, we just spent what seven minutes talking about hard knocks. Yeah, but it's great. I'm telling you, it's it's really good. And plus, right now, you, you need anything football. And if it's close to being good, please check it out. I'm telling you, you'll be fired up. I went out to West Monroe's practice already this morning. Uh, Rebels going at it this week at 6 a.m. You know, it's kind of refreshing. I don't know why other teams do not do this. Get it out of the way early on. Make sure the kids then are focused. Not like they can stay out late or up. Uh, Doing other things at night when you got to be at practice at you 6 o'clock. You beat the heat, too. Yeah. yeah, you beat the heat. It is a good idea. 888-993-7762. It's the Darren Moody State from Hotline slash Text Line. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. Other headlines on this Wednesday morning. I, I got some uh, some more football ones. But first, since we're, we're off tangent already, let's just stay off tangent. Um. I was looking at this ESPN Ocho that, that is today. I believe it either starts today or tonight. I'm not. Last sure. week we ran through the entire rundown. Yeah, and we just glossed over the Saber League because I didn't know what half of the things were anyway. So ESPN, you know, they fire Brett McMurphy or they get rid of Brett McMurphy and they have someone on staff. I don't know who it was. Do this long piece on the Saber League, nice. which is Aaron. <laughs> People get lightsabers from Star Wars, like toy lightsabers, and they, like, joust. Mm. I could not believe what I was reading. I had to, uh, you know. So then you Googled it or you went were, on to you YouTube were, and wanted to watch it? You were at practice yeah. this morning, so I read the story, and then I immediately went to YouTube, started watching it. 
And I'm telling you, there was like maybe 10 people in the stands, which I'm, I'm glad for society that a lot of people aren't showing up to the, watch this. But I'm kind of intrigued to watch what it looks like on ESPN today. Right. Or is it today or tomorrow? Like, did it start last night or does it start at midnight tonight? That I don't know. I need to, I need to check on that. But anyway, it's at 2 p.m. either today or tomorrow. I'm intrigued. I kind of want to go check it it's out. It's on right now. You're missing it right okay, now. Okay, well, 2 p.m., check out the Sabre League. These are grown men fighting with lightsabers. The World Championships of Ping Pong on right now. Oh, yeah. missing a good one. Uh, handball coming up at 8 o'clock. Good stuff. That's the news you need to know. Amazing games at 9 a.m. <laughs> darts at 10. Oh, darts. Yes. Good stuff. Um, a couple more headlines. Let's get to our Astros update. Astros were victorious last night, 2-1. to one. They defeated the Giants. Uh, Tyler White hit a go-ahead two-run homer in the eighth inning to put them up. Uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, pitched six innings in the win. And now the Astros are 73-42. and 42. They are up five and a half games. Hmm. Saw LSU uh, Maneri cut somebody, Chris Reed. Big news or not? Sad news. Just because uh, Chris Reed is uh, always one of those colorful personalities, one of those guys you like to follow. Maybe uh, he was too colorful. Maybe. But uh, I, I think it was a fan favorite, not because of his play, but just because of uh, – uh, the, the way he approached the game, how he made it fun. He always had a fun approach to it. So I, I think it's – if you're a diehard LSU baseball fan, you're sad today because of that. ULM looking for a new head softball coach. Corey Lyon leaves for a job in Marshall. His time with the Warhawks, uh, 111 and 115, 24 and 29 this past season. So now the search for his replacement is underway. And, of course, our buddy – Tim Whitman, his name will be mentioned numerous times for this gig. I'll say, go ahead and ask it. <laughs> will he take the job? Uh, a lot of success, of course, in the high school and college ranks. We'll see how this plays out. Mm -hmm. I would say highly unlikely, but we'll see. Better pony up the money. Pony up the cash. Um, some more headlines, Aaron. Greg Hardy, who was former football player turned MMA fighter, Won his second first round, got a second first round KO in the Dana White Contender Series last night. 17 seconds. What was interesting about this is the media was interviewing him afterwards. He looks to be like you have perhaps he's his next biggest star just because he's such a polarizing individual because of his storied past. We don't need to get into all that. But as he was being interviewed, Dana he was talking about football and Dana White intervened and said. Uh, Jerry Jones called me when I first signed Greg Hardy to be a part of this Dana, uh, Dana White Contender Series. And he said that's the toughest SOB mm. we had. So kind of kind of a high praise from, from Jerry Jones. But Greg Hardy. Wasn't it in Shreveport the other match that he had where he knocked somebody out so quickly? That was not the Dana White Contender Series, but that was, a, that was like an amateur mm. fight. But, uh, yeah. So he's he looks to be like a, a guy that USC is going to invest a lot of money in. Mm. So if you hate Dan Hart, I mean uh, Dan Hardy, Greg Hardy, um, yeah, this is this is you're going to be tuning in to try to see him get knocked out soon. You know how much I love basketball news, especially during this time. So I'm surprised you haven't brought up uh, Tremont Waters and what he did in a summer pro am game. Yeah, he scored 60 points, which is quite a feat. But Was again, any defense played in this? Probably not. That's why I didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to though you had it on your list yeah as a little tidbit i wasn't gonna spend time on yeah. it what about lebron versus the warriors on christmas who saw that coming yeah everybody <laughs> i like how it's lebron too i like how the headline is lebron will take on the warriors yes. not the lakers yes. um a couple more let me read this quote real quick toby says i won the fondell saber league classic in 1978 the fondell flash reigns mm. um so Aaron Rodgers, a little cranky mm -hmm. at training camp. Now, this was interesting to me just because going into training camp, I think the biggest storyline was having to replace Jordy Nelson for the Packers. And we know we've talked about that a lot, how that was Rodgers' go-to guy. What's, what, what is it going to look like? What's the passing going to look like without him? Is he going to have a Mr. Reliable um, receiver? Well, he was taking a look at the um, – at the young receivers, he was on scout team, and he questioned their ability to uh, 
to practice like pros. This is what he said. I think it's pretty evident to anybody watching the end of practice there were some mental errors. That's the frustrating thing. It's one thing if you're picturing a play in your mind and you're thinking about it and you're a little off, but when you're looking at a card that tells you exactly where to line up and exactly where the play is, there aren't any excuses for that. He reportedly threw uh, the football on the sideline, was kind of throwing a little bit of a tantrum, uh, this being Aaron Rodgers. And he goes on to say, I'm getting older and grumpier. I've been at this for a long time. I'm tired, too. We're all a little tired. When you get a little tired, the fuse gets a little shorter. So not happy with the way the young guys are practicing. He gives uh, credit to two guys, Yancey's progressed and Gmo, but obviously uh, everyone else has been kind of piss poor. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love the honesty. That's leadership right there. Uh, you were waiting for these numbers, and they're out. For Johnny Menzel in the ESPN. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For the performance where he threw, what, uh, four interceptions, four interceptions. 11 of 20 overall, 104 yards, and uh, they get beat 50 to 11. But, by all reports, a huge hit. 406,000 viewers. Put that in relation with other Canadian Football League games. Their top game previously had 264,000 viewers. Great Cup, the championship game, drew 237,000 viewers. <laughs> 406,000 people tuned in to watch Johnny Manziel. Honestly, though, imagine if he would have had a good game. August 18th, if he's still the starter, they have another game on ESPN. Yeah, but seriously, though, if he would have had a good game, what do you think the numbers would have been? Because people would have been calling and hey, Johnny looks yeah, like his old self. Was, I think his Twitter was still blowing up, and people were flipping over just to see how bad he was playing. Yeah, but I, I still say if he would have had a great game, you could have got maybe 700,000 in that range. The power of Johnny Clipboard. 406,000. For the championship game, only 237,000. Yeah. Those are still really bad numbers. Though. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> when like, you said it, I was like, oh. Uh, it was like 0.7. <laughs> but I think the ESPN2 had 0.7 and ESPN, I don't even know what they had on, some kind of summer hoops, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, anyway. One more, the, uh, go ahead. One, one more, more quick one. Headline. One more quick one. Sorry. Uh, our guy, Jamal Adams, former LSU star, safety, he caused a bit of a ruckus yesterday when he when his uh, Q&A came out with Bleacher Report. Let me read this quote, Aaron. Tell me how you would feel if you were a veteran in that locker room and you heard a second-year guy say this. Everybody was used to losing. You can always tell that vibe. I came in, and it was like everybody wanted to do the bare minimum. They didn't want to go above and beyond. They didn't want to take that extra step. They didn't want to be uncomfortable. But to be great, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to sacrifice and willing to do the little things. And the team, the organization, just wasn't doing those things. It could have been two or three people on the team that were doing it, and then the rest weren't or vice versa. But if you're not clicking on all cylinders with the 53-man roster, everybody upstairs, the staff, the whole organization, it's not going to go anywhere. As you can imagine – the Jets met with Jamal Adams shortly after this. The media meets with him, and he tries to chalk it up to, yeah, I was just uh, really passionate. <laughs> so uh, he's already been scalded for. <laughs> but uh, What's up with all these former LSU guys? I don't know. Is That's, it because Bonnet holds him down down there when look, he played at LSU? You got Jarvis' passionate speech. You got these quotes yeah. from Jamal Adams. Throw too. in Odell. Yeah, Odell as well. I just thought you it was see, interesting. He got some uh, diamond-encrusted teeth implants. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Sorry. Uh, wow. What a uh, hodgepodge of headlines on this Wednesday morning. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Is that crying? Let's get to the starting lineup. Dr. Saul Graves will join us at 730. Our old buddy, Jarrett Rozier, he's kind of back into the business. Maybe he didn't leave. Kind of back? Well, we thought he was leaving. Now he's doing a lot of different things down in South Louisiana. We look forward to catching up with him, talk a little uh, recruiting and also LSU football. Our high school football previews continue at 8.15. We'll catch up with one of the new guys. A tank is loose in Carroll. <laughs> tank Washington will join us. New Carroll head coach, plus... We want to get to all your texts and calls, 888-993-7762. Also a big event last night out at the Civic Center, huge following for the Hatman for Louisiana Tech. 
You'll hear from Skip Holtz after the break. Your calls, your texts, always welcome. 888-993-7762. The morning drive rolls along after this on Sports Talk 97.7. Got a couple good texts here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gary says, Jake, I believe I'm speaking for most of the listening audience on this one. We'd rather hear about the lingerie league <laughs> versus the lightsaber league. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm just reading about, like, what's coming on ESPN Ocho. But you sounded so fascinated by it that you were going to spend a majority of your day today kind of looking back at the highlights and maybe perhaps. perhaps I wanted to know what it was. Like Saber League Championship. You, you see a picture. That, it's on ESPN's front page. Go to ESPN's front page. There's a picture of a guy wielding a toy lightsaber, and the story is serious. Like, I'm supposed to take this guy seriously? That's why I was drawn in. Top 10 Thursday tomorrow, our favorite lightsaber league. Uh, athletes, <laughs> champions. Yes. Yeah. Or just favorite lightsaber duels in yeah. Star Wars. You'll, you'll be able to list those off. Are they athletes? Are they? Yes. We need to get that question going. Are. <laughs> Who would you I rather have? A lightsaber athlete or maybe the cornhole champion? I and what? Cornhole. Like what are we? What are we competing uh, with? You know, it's like like a race. Wide what? world of sports, and they used to have those competitions back in the day. Have them go through like an yeah, obstacle yeah, course obstacle or something. Course, you know, yeah, the strength competition. I, I'll take the lightsaber guy. <laughs> he has to be more mobile, right? Oh man. Anyway, Quint says I can't help but chuckle when you pay for HBO but don't get NBC. Oh, yeah. Throwing shade at Jake, I love it. Uh, he also says, when will ULM pay attention to all the other colleges advertising around their campus? There are multiple billboards for Tech, one for Arkansas State, and one for Mississippi State, all close to campus. This appears to be a weakness in their ad campaign. I don't remember seeing any of these ads in Rusty. Good point. We hope to have the athletic director, uh, Nick Floyd, on the show sometime soon. We'll discuss that and other things that are being done to sell, sell the ULM football season. And, and one, one last test. Cookie's, like, going out of his way to make sure we know he didn't watch this. Yeah. I did not watch this, but I actually saw that one of the ESPN channels showed the dodgeball championships, the men's, the women's, and the mix. Again, I didn't watch it, yeah. but I saw that it was coming on the other day. <laughs> Follows up, if you can dodge a car, you can dodge a ball. If you can, that's off the dodgeball, the movie. Yes. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Hey, I want to get Jake riled up one more time about something else that I heard yesterday and it was followed up today. So our buddy Clay Travis, of course, on the show our before buddy. us and then is on afterwards. Yesterday, he's literally guilting. Or, or trying to throw it out there that he'd reached out to the Titans numerous times to kind of get his kids to training camp and then have them get a tour of the facility. And on the air, he's talking about the fact that, you know, they hadn't responded to him. And he didn't understand why they had not responded to him. So I, I'm driving in this morning, and guess what? Hey, I want to say thank you to the Titans for uh, treating my family so well. I can't believe I didn't get special privileges. Yes. Uh, uh, media types. Don't don't get me started, man. Don't get. Me, let's just let's just move on. Hey, I ate a pretty good meal though last night at the happening for uh, Louisiana Tech at the Civic Center. Once again, a fantastic turnout. Uh, Bulldog fans came out in full support, full force, and of course, one of the featured speakers was Skip Holtz. I had an opportunity to catch up with him beforehand. How practice was going so far, and what events like this mean to the Louisiana Tech football program. Uh, well, five days in, we had our first full day in pads today. I love the attitude. I love the work ethic. Soreness, tired, all that is starting to kick in. We're getting them in the building. At, you know, they're getting up at 6 o'clock every morning and over in the building, practicing in the morning, uh, meetings and walkthroughs in the afternoon, more meetings at night. This is a busy time. We got a lot. We we're trying to teach some of the newcomers and some of the freshmen. But I really like where the upperclassmen are right now, and they're really forming a solid base and foundation. We've got some depth on this football team. One year ago, we were one of the youngest teams in the country as far as returning players, where this year we have many more players that are coming back that, that got some experience last year. So I really like where the team is right now. we still got a lot of work to do. we got to let bring some of the newcomers along, bring some of the freshmen along. We'll get three scrimmages over the next three weeks. So. Uh, ought to be a great evaluation tool, but if we keep working the way we are right now and can keep this attitude, then I think we have a chance to be a pretty good football team. What makes you enjoy events like this to rally the Louisiana Tech, not only the athletic family, the whole family of Louisiana Tech? Well, I mean, Louisiana Tech is a great place, and we've been coming over here to the happening now. This is my sixth year in a row. 
1,000 uh, people here tonight in Monroe just shows you how strong the support is for Louisiana Tech. I've said one of the things that makes this place special, there's great buildings, it's a beautiful area, but when you start looking at the people on campus, in the community, the Louisiana Tech fan base and family, that's one of the things that makes this thing so special. And one of the reasons I enjoy being here, to have the opportunity to see so many people that are excited about you know, being part of this program and getting into the 2018 season. Skip's good at those things. Uh, it's hard to believe this is already his sixth one, going into his sixth hmm. season at Louisiana Tech. He will, uh, we got him scheduled to join us Friday morning live at 7.30 just to kind of break down what's happened so far in camp. Good stuff. Looking forward to that. 888-993-7762. Coming up next, you'll hear from Dr. Saul Graves. If you have a question or a comment for him, certainly hit us up. The Morning Drive returns after this. Welcome back to the show. We always love catching up with the doctors. Dr. Saul Graves joins us this morning on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Saul, how you doing this morning, bud? Hey, I'm doing great, Aaron and Jay. Thanks for having me on. We've had this discussion with you in the past, but since we uh, had it last week, we were breaking down the top 10 teams in Northeast Louisiana history over the course of, we'll say, 35 years. Uh, we, we talked, and I certainly brought up the squad that you had in, in 1985 and certainly thought you deserved to be in the conversation. When you look back at all the great teams in this area, do you believe your team, your championship squad, record-setting team from that year should be in the conversation? Uh, that's a good question. You know, um, that's a loaded question. What that is? <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, I didn't get to see any of the teams that, that played around here in the '90s because I was gone yeah. during that during that. Well, actually, from you know '86 80, to, to uh, about 2001, I didn't get to follow any of those teams. So, I know there were some good ones during that time. And, and you know, we we had a we had a very talented team. We had you know, I mentioned you know we had a couple of guys that went to Arkansas. We had a guy that signed with Northwestern. Um, another one that signed with, with Northeast at the time. And then, of course, I went to LSU. And, and, you know, we had some very good players, probably as many you know, college um, recruits as, as they've ever had at, at OCS and, and um, during, on that one team. And so we were, we were very good. I think the issue with, with us and with any team at that level is that, you know, we, we probably had six or seven guys that were going both ways. And, and, you know, that's, that's a tough deal if you have to play someone who's, who, uh, you know, if you, if, when you start playing someone who's a 4A team, which they didn't have 5A back in the 80s. But, um, you know, obviously depth becomes an issue when you play a football game. And so that would be, that would be a, tough, um, a tough thing to have to go play a, a team that, that's, you know, got, um, you know, no guys going both ways and lots of talent. And, and, and so I, I certainly think we could have played with anybody, now whether we're, we're with the one of the uh, top ten teams in North Louisiana, that would probably, I don't think many people would, would say that was the case. But we certainly had as good a team as I think we could have we could have had uh, for that period of time and, and for our school, that's for sure. And with star power, I mean, literally uh, you and the two other guys, three of the top 12 uh, players in the state for that year. I mean, how often does that happen for a, a school that small? I mean, at OCS, I guess you could go back to Hurley and Niswanger and that squad with the two big guys they had up front. Yeah, that's right, and uh, you know it was it was it was very unusual and, and and certainly very special for for us at the time, and it it, uh, it was a lot of fun, and and you know we did what we had to do. We won all the games we played, and we won the state championship, and that that's what our goal was, and and um, and so it uh, yeah it was a fun year and 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 a very talented uh, team. And of course, there's been some other really good teams. You mentioned that team with with Hurley and. Nice swing. I know the team in the in the late '90s at, at uh, Washtenaw Christian that had Eric Edwards um, was was a very good good team that won the state championship. And so um, anyway, it, it, uh, we we had a pretty good team. That whether I'm not sure we we would be the top ten, one of the top ten teams in North Louisiana, but I appreciate uh, y'all bringing us up. I made the pitch for y'all. Jake wasn't buying it. You know how Jake is. Saul, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, you're just like us, kind of keeping tabs on what's taking place down at LSU. You know, the media's only in there for about 25, 30 minutes. The four quarterbacks vying for this thing. As you kind of see this thing play out, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's very funny how much how much attention is being given to. Uh, to four quarterbacks throwing individual drills at the beginning of practice. It's, you know, when, I, when, you, when you think about practice and what's involved in it, 
uh, that is such a, a um, minor part of, of playing quarterback is whether or not you can throw one-on-one cuts with, with the wide receivers. And, and uh, you know, I, I, it's funny on Twitter, there's just, um, you know, video after video of this and that and, and how, and how you know, one quarterback looks better than the other one. And, it, and it's such a – I mean, it just in the grand scheme of things as far as the ability to be the starting quarterback at, at LSU or any college, um, whether or not you can go out there and throw um, – so well in warm-ups just, just makes not much difference. It's all a matter of what you can do when you got 11 guys out there and you're seeing pressure and those kind of things. So I, I just don't think anybody's going to be able to know uh, until they make that decision. And really the coaches probably won't be able to know for sure until they play that first game because um, it's going to be it's going to be very different, obviously, when, when that happens. But I think they'll pretty, get a pretty good idea about how things are, are shaping uh, up once they have a scrimmage, which I think they're probably going to do that this weekend be their first scrimmage, and I think I think at that point you'll start to, to sort of see things separate because it sounds like right now they're, they're giving all those guys equal reps, and, and I don't think that can continue. I think you've got to, to, to settle on a couple of guys a little earlier so that you can start getting them more, more quality reps to get ready for those, that first game. I agree with everything you just said, but I want to ask you, when you were playing – was there media access to when you were y'all were doing individual drills, and if there was, what was that like? How many people showed up? We, that's a good question. It was different every year. I can remember some years that we we were closed to the media, um, but I, I, they were out there a, a pretty good bit. I think it was pretty similar to what it, what it is now. There definitely was a lot of media there at the beginning, just like there is now when we would throw. Um, you know, basically we would we would just warm up and you know throw it to each other, and then we would throw the receivers and the running backs and and all that kind of thing. And, and there definitely was media during that time, but but they they weren't there when we did the the when we started running our team stuff and we started preparing for other teams. They were they were usually always gone. And, and you know we just we didn't think about it. it. Was kind of it was sort of different, obviously for a freshman coming in when when you have that kind of access to everything that you're doing. Uh, but then after a few practices, you sort of got used to it and, and didn't really think about it too much. Mm. Uh, injuries starting to pile up in the NFL. Of course, one preseason game down. we got a number of them taking place over the course of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I believe there have now been seven ACL tears during the offseason running through camp so far. found a report that the average is about 23 ACL injuries in the NFL before week number one also says that half of all ACL tears occur between OTAs and the preseason. Pretty remarkable stat, a staggering stat can, when you consider uh, the practice time and how it's been reduced and also the fact that they don't do two-a-days now. What do you think leads to this, Saul? Just the fact that there's more players out there running around, more chance for uh, ACL injuries? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting stat, too. And and, and I've, I've sort of observed that myself through the years. You know, I've never seen really actually – put on paper as far as numbers are concerned but just in, in dealing with high school and college athletes I think the same thing happens I, and really in, in in my mind it 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 seems to go through about the first month of the season and then it seems like after that once you get into October we have less and less uh, ACL tears now why why it's happening at that amount of uh, with with the NFL I think just for, for one thing and you may have mentioned that is that the, the fact that the roster size is, is almost twice what it is, you know, once you start, I guess you get to that last preseason game and you make your final cuts, you know, I think you go from a roster in the 90s, maybe 93, uh, down to, you know, what is it, 52 or 50, man, whatever it is, roster, but you almost cut it in half. So you've got twice the number of people out there participating, so your chances of having injuries are going to go up. Um, you know, most ACL injuries don't happen – with contact, so you don't have to be, you know, hitting people uh, to make that happen. And, and, and it's obvious that the, the fact they've reduced the practice and contact and all those things really hasn't had an effect on on the ACL injuries. You know, guys are bigger and stronger um, now and, and and run faster, and so that certainly puts an increasing stress on, on ligaments, which don't develop at the same rate. Um, and then also I think things are probably more intense during this time of year. You know, guys trying to make teams. Um, and, and so maybe, um, maybe that puts them at greater risk, but it's definitely, it's definitely, um, uh, pretty mind boggling when you start to think about how many occur, uh, during this time of the, the, the football when they're not even playing yet. 
And so don't you think the numbers would be decreasing also as there's been the evolution of field turf compared to what uh, perhaps others or even in your day, what you guys played on with turf? Yeah, I think that's that's there. There is a case to be made as far as the, the the field turf they play on now is definitely better than than the astroturf. But I, but I think um, even though there's there's been talk about you know the the, the field turf and, and how it's more like natural grass, I, I still think that um, that there is um, a greater instance of ACL injuries on on the turf than there are mm. on grass. And and um, um, there are a few studies that that back that up. Um, um, there's some that don't, so that, that's that's probably debatable. But it, but I just think that I, that that there's more that happen on turf than they do on, on natural grass. Super Bowl hero Nick Foles uh, has neck and shoulder spasms. They're uh, holding him right, out right now. I believe he's missed uh, three practices in a row. Says it is not related to elbow issues. I guess there's an assortment of things that could lead to spasms in his shoulder and neck. What would some of those be, Doctor Salgraves? Yeah, you know, of course, he's not not having any contact at this time of the year, so that 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 throws that out. But um, and, and maybe it is related to throwing some. You know, I guess you know sometimes in your um, in your upper trap area and neck, you can um, you know you can you put some excess stress on it and, and, and get some spasms. It, it could be something that happened. You know, just just in running around and practice. You know, he made a pull, may have um, pulled or strained a muscle in that area, and that leads leads to spasms. All, all of us kind of deal. With that kind of thing, you know, some people, a lot of people get cricks in their necks. They just wake up um, and, and turn wrong, and, and and all of a sudden they get spasms in their neck and, and shoulder. And so that could have been the case. And uh, the good news about that, though, is that's something that with just some treatment, you know, in the training room and, and some rest and, and anti-inflammatories, he ought to be able to to bounce back from that pretty quickly. Certainly, certainly a better thing, in my opinion, to have than than having to deal with elbow issue is issues uh, like he did last year when you're playing quarterback. Yankees' Jacoby Ellsbury is out with a uh, torn labrum in his left hip. We talk extensively about labrum issues in the shoulders, but what about in the hip? How common is this, and uh, how lengthy of a rehab process would this be? Well, it's it's the same type of structure. You know, the labrum is a, is a is a cartilaginous rim that basically surrounds the the bony uh, socket, um, and and in the shoulder. It's 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 injured a lot more just because the shoulder is inherently more unstable uh, than the hip. But when you get one of the hip, it, it it's it can be a, a significant injury with with lots of pain associated with it. It's very debilitating, and as a, as the case with him, and I think he's been trying to deal with it for a while. Was hoping he could get back to to play this year, but ultimately decided that you know surgery is the thing the thing that that has to be done. And and just as in as when we do surgery on the shoulder. The, the goal is to try to repair the labrum. It's an important structure that gives stability and uh, to the hip, and, and so uh, that's what they did apparently with with him or are planning to do. Um, and it's a long rehab afterwards. You know, it's going to take him probably uh, six months or so to be able to get back uh, to play. And so hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be ready to go when, when spring training rolls around. But uh, it's it's a tough injury. And obviously, we don't talk about it near as much because it's not as common. Saul, I know you and Dr. Counts have meetings with a number of uh, schools and, of course, uh, ULM throughout the year and leading into the year. Uh, what kind of communication do you have and what kind of advice do you give them when you have a meeting like this? You, you talk about meetings like with the, with the, the yeah, training West staff? Yeah, training, like training staff at different schools like at West Monroe. Yeah, well, actually, um, I'm about to go to a meeting at West Monroe this morning where uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, Dr. Counts and I are gonna meet with all the 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 parish uh, trainers uh, and also the uh, the EMTs in town to just talk about um, emergency preparedness and, and how to handle, you know, uh, devastating injuries that happen on the field uh, when kids are playing. So, um, you know, the the main thing is just, you know, you want to try to be prepared uh, for anything. And and you know, with football, we, we in fact we you know, had to deal with one. Uh, tragedy in in in, um, in this area a few years back over in, in Winsboro, and so we want to try to make sure that that all the schools are prepared to to handle that sort of thing. You know, uh, you know, um, God forbid that it occurs, but when it does, you want to be prepared and, and try to do everything we can to to um, help take care of uh, athletes. 
So I was out at practice West Monroe this morning, so I got tipped off. I knew you were heading that way, so it wasn't you know, your schedule. <laughs> I got you, but man, those guys are going early out there. That's that's yeah. that's uh, yeah. uh, that's that's a pretty early practice. Uh, Saul, if we need your assistance, where can we find you and your colleagues? So we've got our three locations: our, our main office in, in Monroe, and also have offices in West Monroe and in Ruston. And we've got uh, you know daily clinics. We have a walk-in clinic. Uh, injury clinic each morning that starts around 10 o'clock at the Monroe location. And, of course, our after-hours clinics are uh, begin about 5 to, uh, to 8 each weekday night and also on the weekend, Saturday mornings from 8 to 11. Hmm. I'm keeping tabs of your schedule, Saul. I appreciate the time, bud. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you, you, you keeping up with, with what we're doing. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. You bet, bud. Dr. Saul Graves. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, How much information are we going to get from uh, LSU scrimmage on Saturday? Oh, we'll get or the stats. stats. <laughs> we'll get the stats. Make no. Listen, let me let me bring this up. Yeah. So we 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 joke and we and we make fun of watching individual drills and trying to get notes from it and whatnot. But it's what the people want. Yeah. For instance, we just did at Denny Don. We just did a poll asking people what position are they most concerned about? Quarterback. Far and away, with 5,000 votes, got 43% of the vote. So, I'm just saying, it continues. I I didn't think quarterback would – actually, I did think it would win, but I don't think it should have won. Should that be the most concern, or should it be a running back? I thought running back – you could make an argument for offensive line because of what happened with Ed Ingram, but I I wouldn't – I still wouldn't go that far. And cornerback. I thought running back or cornerback should have been – they don't have a running back that scored a collegiate touchdown so far. No. You don't know who's going to be toting. I, and honestly, the more we see and hear, the more I think Chris Curry's going to be the guy. You know, back in spring, I was thinking Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. He's probably still the guy to beat, but Ed Orgeron really likes Chris Curry. Keeps comparing him to Marshawn Lynch. So, Chris he, Curry's bio. Tell us about him. Big, big body back. Um, I mean, he's. I just compared him to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. He runs like Marshawn Lynch. Mm. But uh, Ed Orgeron likes him, and he's going to get reps for sure just because of everything that Ed Orgeron has said about him. But I'm just starting to think more and more that he might be the dark horse, you know, kind of like uh, back in the day when Spencer Ware was battling for that spot and he eventually became the guy. That's what it kind of reminds me of. He's out of Florida. His numbers uh, weren't exactly gaudy. He only had 764 yards, five touchdowns in nine games as a senior, but he's listed as the ninth best running back in the nation by several recruiting publications. He finished his uh, high school career in Florida rushing for almost 3,000 yards, 364 yards, and 28 touchdowns. So obviously he did a lot of work uh, before his senior year. Must have been pretty good his sophomore and junior campaigns. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're you're trying to visualize somebody, visualize Spencer Ware. He's that type of back. Six feet, 219 pounds. 888-993-7762, 888-993-7762, the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. We'll return after this. Welcome back. we got some college football news and notes. Where do you want to start, Jake? I want to talk about Bet DSI's odd makers for the Urban Meyer situation. They've set some... Are they getting better than he's staying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not... Now it's not really... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you the first one. Okay. Will Urban Meyer be fired or resign as head coach in 2018? Yes is plus 600. No is minus 1,500. That tells you right there that everyone believes he's keeping his job. Hey, let's go back to last Friday. That was a pretty big power play by uh, Urban Meyer to mm-hmm. put out that release, considering the investigation just getting kicked off at the, you know, the, the, the Ohio State doing their own internal investigation, his job's on the line, and Urban goes out there and goes on the offensive. Yeah, um, it makes you believe that he actually did you know, tell the people who he was supposed to tell what happened. So if he did that, the blame shifts a little bit off of him to his authorities. Now, he still should be uh, condemned for keeping Zach Smith on his roster, Mm -hmm. especially when his own wife was fearful for Courtney Smith. I mean, you look at those text messages. She's asking, how are you doing? I think even one of them said he's scary. So the fact that he kept him on, you still can't forgive him for that. But if you're going by 
probable cause and and uh, as far as like uh, firing someone. Um, listen, do they have the smoking gun? Do they have I, the thing that they can come back and say, "All right, Urban Meyer, uh, you're fired. You're taking the money." Moral clause. No, and, and the fact that it's they announced that it's a 14 day investigation. I think it it goes it bodes well for him. So, I think he's keeping his job. Yeah. We had a conversation yesterday as to whether or not he would be suspended and for how long, which is the next question. Four games. Urban Meyer is suspended for at least one game during 2018-19 regular season. Yes is minus 2,000. No is plus 750. I think everyone's on the same page as saying he at least gets one game, right? Are you, Aaron? Yeah. You? Okay. All right. I think he might get three or four. That's that's a change from yesterday. TCU. No, I said he'll be back before Penn State, which is the fifth week game. Five, week five. TCU is week three, I believe. All right. Uh, total games Urban Meyer suspended during 2018-19 regular season: over four and a half, minus one fifty, under four and a half, plus one twenty. So that's right in line with what you were saying. Um, three to four games. You you think uh, Jake was staying the entire year? I was thinking so. I was thinking you need to make a statement here. No. Yeah, they they think they're going to make a statement by four games, and then of course bringing him back to the Nittany Lions on the road. I just I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm in, I'm you know it's we had some text yesterday. Russell says, "Why do you think you should be accountable for someone else's actions? Maybe Irvin thought Smith was handling his relationship." Don't give me that, Russell. Don't <laughs> get me started. He's his own wife knew about the situation. Okay, you're mean to tell me, Russell, if you're married, that you're going to have a conversation with your wife, and she's going to be uh, telling you how scary this man is and what he did to this poor woman. And Urban's just going to be like, well, uh, he's handling it. It's fine. That's not how that works, Russell. So I don't want to hear that. He needs to take accountability for, for keeping him on staff. He didn't commit the crime, but he kept him on staff. Yeah. And years. for a guy who preaches all everything that he preaches, mm -hmm. that's, that's my problem with him. That's why I thought Ohio State kind of needed to make a statement about it. Other news and notes from college football, your boy Lane Kiffin, he's been looking for a graduate transfer quarterback. He finds one, one that has a, a little bit of a track record. Rafe Peavy, this should be up Russell's alley. Of course, uh, started at Arkansas, then transferred. You know, he started his career there, then transferred to SMU. He has now found a new home in Boca Raton. With FAU, with the Lane train. Yes. Hmm. In uh, three games last year with SMU, he was a perfect four for four, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so we'll see how this pans out as uh, Kiffin continues to look for a quarterback. Uh, Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll's brother, Jason, it appeared that he was coming back for his senior year. Uh, he'd already graduated, though, in a degree in engineering, said he had had enough of football. Yeah, and ESPN came out with their top storylines for the spring and, of course, Ohio State is Myers' future. Uh, in this article, it says, no longer is the focus on Dwayne Haskins' anticipated development to a star quarterback or the load handled by a standout running back, J.K. Dobbins. Aaron, we've talked a lot about Urban Meyer, what Ohio State should do, how long he'll be out, et cetera, et cetera. Will what's happened, what's taken place, affect their season? That's what I want to ask you. Depends how long the suspension is. If it goes, well, in you it, believe it's he's going to be back by Penn yeah, State. I don't know how much of an effect on him. So you think he's back by Penn State? They're fine. They're still rolling. Yeah. They're still in the national championship conversation. Ooh, Ronnie, your nemesis, Jake, joins <laughs> us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Ronnie, how you doing this morning, bud? Man, I'm doing great. I, I'm just not sure, Jake, how controversial I can be this morning. I, uh, man, I was so sure that Urban Meyer was gone. In our current climate of this country, I, I just didn't see how in a situation like that he could keep his job. But the longer this goes, in my mind, the shorter the suspension gets. But, you know, first I changed that. So I think he's just going to keep, you know, he's just going to get fired. Then I changed, well, he'll get suspended for a year. Then I was prepared to call and tell you that you were wrong. He was going to get suspended. 
expecting that at least for a year there was no way they would let him come back at four games. We, uh, but man, I, I don't know if they do they suspend him even for three games. Is, oh. is the over and under at two? What happens if they don't suspend him at all? Oh, <laughs> oh man, I, I, and he better have some stout proof that he did everything he was supposed to do. And, and other than that, you know, then it becomes do we just suspend him one or two games for lying to the media? I, I, I mean, was he under oath? Was that a courtroom? I, I don't well, that, know, man. I just no, that's not that's not the issue. The question is, if he did follow the correct channels that he was supposed to follow, should he be suspended for keeping a guy like Zach Smith on staff, knowing what he knew? That's the question. Well. I, I guess that's the question, but man, if, if he did everything he was supposed to do and higher ups, you know, the athletic director or, or wherever he had to go with that, you know, can he prove now that, well, I left that in his hands and he said, mm-hmm. leave him on the staff. And I, man, I don't know. That's a, I, I was so, I was so sure I was going to get to call everybody and, and toot my own horn. See, I told y'all he was going to get fired, but man, I don't know now. It's, Ronnie, appreciate the call, bud. Thanks for listening. Appreciate bud. it, man. Y'all too, guys. Richie says Kent won't be suspended for lying to the media. Well, that's yeah, I agree with that. And I said that's what I said from the beginning. I remember when this news broke and everyone was saying, "Well, bye bye, Urban." I said that. You remember on this show, I said they do not want to fire him. If there's a way to not fire him, he will keep his job because he is in the upper echelon. He is right behind Saban. The only thing that uh, disturbs me when people say he won't be suspended for lying to the media. When you're lying to the media, you're actually lying to the, the public yeah. because that is the bridge. Sure, but that's – I mean, you're, you're looking at it – that's true, Aaron. But also, I don't have as big an issue with that. My issue is keeping him on staff. That's the problem. You you know what this guy is capable of. You know what he's done. You're very close to the situation. Come on. 7 o'clock hour in the books, 888-993-7762. We'll catch up with our old buddy Jarrett Rozier after the break on the morning drive. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.